0: You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com.
1: If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask
2: on the Savage Lovecast.
3: Valentine's Day is a weeker than change away, and when you're a sex advice professional, as I am... You get a lot of calls in the run up to Valentine's Day asking for sort of boilerplate love and romance advice from bullshit publications that the rest of the year pretend that sex doesn't really exist, and what they want is usually this bullshit you know deep fried funnel cake sugar coated romance crap, and not real right you know how do you sex up how do you spice up your valent- that's what they ask me about how do you make it more erotic uh, right. And what they want to hear is, like, candelas and dinner and wine and, what's cra- and chocolate. crazy flowers? What's crazy about all the standard Valentine's Day gifts is that they all have narcotic effects, really. Go out and have some wine and eat a big, rich meal, and you're really not going to want to fuck when you get home. You're going to want to fall the fuck asleep when you get home. And then you get all these letters if you're a sex advice professional, as I am. The day after Valentine's Day from people who are worried about the health of their relationship uh, or whether their partner's really attracted to them because they went out and they had this big romantic Valentine's Day date and dinner and then they didn't fuck because they fell asleep or he fell asleep. And Well, of course he fell asleep. He had a gut full of steak and booze and rich crap. You know, if you want to spice up your sex life on Valentine's Day, stay the fuck home. Do something that gets your blood pumping like – move your ass don't feed your fucking face and then bone each other done the end right don't like make reservations don't fall into the restaurant industrial chocolate complex conspiracy that is valentine's day and think you have to market by pouring money into whatever you need to pour your own bodily fluids into each other if you are fluid bonded if not, please use condoms and barriers and whatever. And you can do that best if you stay the fuck home. You know what you should do if you must go to the restaurant? You know, you probably should go to the restaurant because waiters got to eat. I put myself through school waiting tables. I don't want to, like, kill the restaurant industry. I don't think I have that power. Fuck first. Fuck at 4 o'clock if you have dinner reservations at 8. Fuck twice if you have dinner reservations at 8. Then go to the restaurant and toast the awesome relationship you have and the amazing sex you just had and then go home and collapse into bed and fall the fuck asleep. This podcast is brought to you by audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com/savage today for details. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout.
4: Hey, Dan. uh, My name is Jim. I'm from uh, Colorado. 29 years old. Calling in regards to, uh, I've been dating this uh, girl two years. And uh, we get along great. Have a a really good relationship. The uh, big thing is uh, her friends really don't uh, like me. And, uh, you know, obviously she's hanging out with me, so she likes me. I guess it's not a big deal just to be part of a relationship as well. So, you know, everybody kind of enjoying each other, just trying to figure out what you had uh, as for advice with, uh, you know, is is, is, is she picking the uh, wrong friends? You know, she doesn't hang out with her friends when I'm around. And then (laughs) when she does go out with her friends, I feel like all they do is talk shit.
3: Either your girlfriend has lousy taste in friends or she has lousy taste in men or man, meaning you. It's hard to say. You know, I-, I typically come down on the side of the friends when all of your friends are telling you and all your family perhaps is telling you that this person is abusive, obnoxious, bad for you, and you have a bad case of the love is blinds and you're not seeing it. You should listen to your fucking friends. That's what they're there for in part is to help you vet potential romantic partners who may have blinded you um, With their schlongs or whatever it is that you're so enamored with. But it could be she has nothing but bitches for friends. I don't know. It would have been helpful. I tried to call you back. Couldn't get you. It would have been helpful to know what exactly it is about you that her friends object to. Is it your drinking? Is it the black eyes you give her? Is it what? Is it that you don't make as much money as she does? Is it something that is trifling? So I'm afraid I can't come down – firmly on your side or on their side not having any details about what it is about you that they object to i will say however you know it's like when you talk to somebody who says every women are all bitches because all the women i've ever dated are bitches and you look at them and go you know you're the common denominator in all those relationships so either there's something seriously wrong with you or wrong with the women that you're picking but still that's something wrong with you if all of if there's not a single person in her social circle that has anything good to say about you you are probably the problem. Harsh. Toke. The tech savvy at risk youth just mumbled in my ear, and it's true. So I want to add this caveat that it is possible that your friend – all of her friends, or your girlfriend, all of her friends are total bitches, and that she is a recovering bitch herself, and you are her ticket out of a bitchy, unsort of friendly, materialistic, shallow scene that she got sucked into. There are times when, you know, we enter into a relationship, and that relationship pulls us out of really harm's way or pulls us out of a really toxic. Uh, set of friends and and maybe you are that for her. So maybe you are not the problem, they are the problem and you are her ticket out of this, this uh, coven of bitches. But I'd put that at about a 25% chance and you being the problem at about a 75% chance. So look at yourself, look at your own behavior. If you can absolve yourself, good. If you're her ticket out, great. Uh,
4: hi Dan, I'm a 24 year old gay man out of Orlando, Florida um, and I'm a new listener to the podcast I actually just started listening this week. Um, and I've been really interested in a lot of the calls that have had to do with, uh, BDSM and kind of bringing more kink into the relationship. And I've been with my current boyfriend for, uh, almost three years and we live together. And recently, um, I've sort of discovered that I am really turned on by, um, bondage, uh, that sort of stuff. And I discovered that through, uh, just porn and it really turned me on. So I kind of started finding more porn along that line. Um, my boyfriend though is very vanilla and I've kind of been bringing it up to him uh, about, you know, that I'm interested in that and wanting to explore that. He, uh, has kind of been very negative about it. And, uh, lately that's kind of been a, a running theme in our relationship both sexually and, and other things of me wanting to explore different things because I'm kind of a nerd and I get really interested in comics and video games and stuff. I kind of feel really selfish or greedy wanting to explore this and I mean our relationship is good but it's been a little bit on the rocks for a while. So more and more there's things that I'm interested in that he's not and he's interested in that I'm not and etc. But to me, it kind of seems like this is something that really shouldn't come between us. Um, But I guess I was just looking for some insight or some advice. Uh, I mean, I've explored multiple avenues with him of trying to come to a compromise and really haven't been anywhere. And I also really don't want to say, all right, well, this is something I want to try when I might try it and might not like it and I don't want to compromise our relationship for something that in the end may not be something that I actually enjoy doing may just be something I enjoy watching
3: Any developments? Um, Any rope so burns since we'll, you left that message?
4: No um, we've kind of talked a little bit more about it um, I guess but still kind of want like I'm trying to be a little bit more mature about it and, and trying to see it from his side and my side and um I mean I come from a household where, like, my parents aren't really together anymore because my dad cheated. So I think he was a little bit taken aback when I brought up the prospect of, you know, bringing a third party into this,
3: since Mm -hmm. I kind of have really a a three-way. Isn't cheating? Cheating is about lying and a betrayal of trust and a violation of a commitment. If you don't have a commitment that involves sexual exclusivity, uh, or your your commitment involves occasionally dragging in a third, it's not cheating. A three-way. Right. Um, right. Don't let him round it down to cheating.
1: Okay.
3: Um, the, um, the thing I'm concerned about, you're 24. Yeah. And you've been with him for three years? Uh, two and a half years. Okay, yeah. so since you're 21, you really, if you're interested in, in having a long-term partnership, and he's interested in being in a long-term relationship, you guys are going to grow and change over the years, uh, socially <clears throat> and sexually. And you need to grow and change together and be on this sexual and social adventure together, or mm. break up. You can't stop growing and changing and having new interests and wanting to explore new things. And he shouldn't want to be with somebody whose social and sexual life is frozen in amber at age 21. Mm. Um you're going to go places and do things sexually, you know, as you age, that you didn't expect or or, or anticipate uh, to be turn-ons when you were a teenager and a young adult. Right. And he should regard that as a perk of being with you uh, (laughs) and see that as a positive. You know, bondage ain't shitting down someone's throat. Bondage is, you know, today what oral sex was 25 years ago, uh... A little kinky still, but barely.
4: Right. I mean, and, like, when we first started dating, like, he knew I was an adventurous sort of person, and he was kind of like a homebody, like, very sort of, like, shelled up. So our relationship has been a lot of me kind of, like, breaking out of the shell. And me and my friends are kind of crazy, and we go do random stuff, like, very spontaneous. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the roadblock I'm hitting is uh, he works in law enforcement. So even though I kind of, like brought it up, and I was like, I know what you're going to say about this, and I'm not talking about, like, I don't want to, like, hang you upside, upside down on your ankles and come at you with a cattle prod, but, you know, he, he hears, you know, bondage, BDSM, that sort of stuff, and automatically thinks,
3: like, criminal deviant, that sort of, that sort of mentality. That's insane. How old is he, roughly? Uh, he's my age, 24. Okay. That's bullshit. Y- yeah. I'm sorry. You know, there's a lot of criminal deviants out there having missionary position totally vanilla sex. Yeah,
4: and I mean, and that's, that's kind of where like the conversation
3: sort of breaks down after that point because I get frustrated because, I mean, because I'm, I'm looking at him like you know me. You know what he's saying to you? He's saying you are offensive to me and I'm going to compare you to a criminal and a rapist and a deviant and someone I yeah. have to arrest because you've expressed this common sexual interest in dom-sub games. You know, yeah. all bondage in S&M is, as I've said, cops and robbers for grown-ups with your pants off. Yeah. And it ain't a mental illness, and it ain't that deviant. It's so common. It's hard to call it. I mean, it may, be, it may deviate from the norm a bit, but it's so common to people's sexual fantasies that to, dis- to dismiss it as proof that you are a criminal or have a criminal mind or criminal mind is crazy. You know, he can't shut you down like this. And you right. just need to use the leverage that you have, which is the... Future of your your relationship, you know, your life Mm -hmm. together. How much does he value that? Does he value that enough to let you do the things that you need and want to do at 24? You're too young. You know, if you're 54, maybe you're like, well, you're fucked. Do you want to have a boyfriend or not? But you're 24. You have options and you have a whole life ahead of you. And I would encourage you to go find somebody who regards your sexuality as a gift and an adventure and something fun and interesting and wants to grow with you instead of saying you have to be. You know, ironically, he really wants to tie you down yeah. and force you to be the person you always were at 21. And you know what? You're not going to be the person at 21 you were at 31. Yeah,
4: I mean, things are just more complicated because, like, a year and a half ago, uh, uh, like, we both graduated. And in order to stay in Orlando for our jobs, we ended up moving in together. So it's one of those where, like, I kind of ride the line of thinking, well, you know, if I was living in my own place and he was living in his own place, you know, where
3: would things kind of be, and more often than not, it I'm kind sorry, of like... it's over, it's over. <laughs> Listen to how ambivalent you sound about this relationship. If circumstances hadn't forced you guys to move in together, you wouldn't be with him. Yeah, I know, I just kind of feel like a, Pull the a tur- jerk saying that a lot. Also, well, you know, people have to do what they have to do in their early 20s, and a lot of people have... Relationships in their early 20s. I certainly did. Uh, That, you know, there's a lot of affection and love there, and there's a sexual connection, and there's also the circumstances that may, you know, make you round the relationship up to something more serious than it might be or have been. And -hmm. you need to extricate yourself from those relationships usually in your mid 20s, and then go have the relationship that you need and want with somebody who is closer to you sexually and emotionally than this guy was. Yeah. Is for now. But, you know, you may have to just pull the trigger and end this relationship. Yeah, I'm starting to feel that way, so. Good luck. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Available now, Game Change, Obama and the Clintons, McCain and Palin, and the Race of a Lifetime, the book that everyone is talking about in political circles. You might want to go grab that. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com savage for a free audiobook download today.
5: Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 17-year-old gay male, and I'm calling because I have found that I am only attracted to straight men. Um, As you may have guessed, this has caused me a lot of problems. Um, Most of the guys that I've gone after have inevitably been heterosexual, and I don't know if it's because all straight men just have this quality that I find attractive, or if it's because I'm turned on by the fact that they like women. And I found a lot of times that even if I'm turned on by a guy initially, like if he happens to be attractive, if I find out that he's gay, he loses a lot of his appeal for me. And I know that's really, really shallow. It's just, for some reason, I just don't find gay men attractive. And I'm wondering if this is because of some internalized homophobia that I have. Like maybe I just don't think a man is a man if he likes other men. Um, and, you know, I really, I really just have to resolve this because, um, You know, I keep being disappointed when I'm going after these guys and finding out that they don't want to go out with me because I have a dick. So I'm basically wondering if you could just help me out and give me some advice on how I can resolve this and how I can have more realistic goals as to who I want to go out with and who I find attractive.
3: You're 17 years old. How many gay men have you had the chance to meet uh, at your high school uh, in the city where you live? You need to take a deep breath, remind yourself that most of the men in front of you that you're going to interact with all the time right now at 17 are straight. So you don't have a lot of options uh, for gay crushes at the moment. I think you hit the nail on the head with that internalized homophobia comment. Yeah, you really are setting yourself up for a lifetime of misery and cutting large checks to straight rent boys who'll think about pussy while you suck them off in middle age. You don't want to do that to yourself. You don't want to go there. You want to be with a guy who wants to be with you. It is internalized homophobia when, and it is something a lot of young gay men uh, fall prey to because there's so much cultural uh, slamming of gay guys and gay people are evil and awful and blah blah blah. And you begin to believe it, and you don't want to. You don't. You know, which is why a lot of gay guys when they're young can't even come out. They didn't want to admit that they themselves are gay. And then when they finally admit they themselves are gay, they feel like. They're not as bad as other gays if they're not actually into other gays. So they're attracted to straight guys and you want the affirmation of being the one guy that this particular straight guy you have a crush on is attracted to and will sleep with. That makes you better than all other gay men everywhere that sort of absolves you of uh, the bad gay baggage that you read into all other gay men that you meet. You need to let that Go. You need to drag that into the yard and slit its throat and burn it on a fucking pyre. Because if you don't, and if you don't do it now, you are going to be fucking miserable. You will meet, as you get older, masculine gay guys. Some of the straight guys at 17 that you're attracted to now will come out in a couple of years in college. Some of the straight guys who've turned you down are, I guarantee you, when you're in high school, some of those guys are closet cases. And part of what you're picking up on in your attraction to them is your sort of gay radar vibe, ESP read on their sexuality you get it some part of your reptile brain subconscious mind is going that's a guy for you even if he's fucking girls right now and so when you grow up you will meet guys who are gay and out and together who are so fucking masculine they'll be straight enough uh, you can also be one of those guys who services straight guys and betrayed, or you can be one of those guys who, you know, there are lots of bi guys out there, bi identified guys. You could be the gay boyfriend of a bi guy and he fucks girls too. And some, like, there are more possibilities now, certainly. But you want to rip in, go into your brain and rip out this bullshit that you don't think a man is a man if he likes other men, because that is going to, I promise you, ruin your life. Make this Valentine's Day one that you'll both never forget with this offer from adamandeve.com. Through Valentine's Day, you will receive 50% off just about any item. Go to adamandeve.com to find thousands of adult entertainment products, including toys, lingerie, and DVDs, and there's more. With every order, you'll receive their romance kit free, including a toy for him, a special massager for her, and a little something you'll both enjoy plus a free adult DVD to put you in the mood, and that's not all. They will also throw in free shipping on your entire order, so check out adamandeve.com today for this special Valentine's Day offer. Good through February 14th only. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and a free shipping. So check out com today for this special Valentine's offer. Good through February 14th only. Get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and free shipping when you enter offer code SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G-E.
6: Hi, Dan. This is Steph. I'm calling you from Brooklyn, New York. I am a 26-year-old bisexual female. I've been with my girlfriend two years now. Um, I love her. She's wonderful and very happy together. Um, My older brother has been a remarkable help in my coming out to my parents as bisexual, uh, which will be a year this February. And I told him tonight that, that my girlfriend will be will be moving in with me. She's going to be moving in with me. The point is, my dad, who has not talked to me really about this, nor has my mom since within the first six weeks of my coming out to them, which is almost a year ago, said to him recently that uh, I hope they're not living together because I don't want to pay for an apartment where they're both living. I'm an artist it's very hard for me to pay my own rent. My dad helps me very much. If my girlfriend were to move in with me, she would be helping me with my rent. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't know what to do about this. We never talk about the fact that I've come out and I don't know how to approach them about even the fact that I really love this person. Nonetheless, the fact that she's going to be moving in with me. So I really need some help. I don't know what to say to them anymore. They're really cool. They're great parents, but they're really fucking up on this matter.
3: Why are your parents okay. paying your rent?
6: Uh, I'm well. I'm a visual artist, and uh, I, I'm not making much money. Okay. So they're helping me, and they're really, really supportive of my career, and we are really close. But I'm just having a really hard time.
3: Because they can hold this over you. Your girlfriend moving in is a is an issue. Because they can say we're not going to pay the rent if you're living with a woman right?
6: Yeah, maybe. I mean, they never
3: explicitly said what, that. What's inhibiting you from being as firm with your parents as you need to be mm-hmm. is the economic leverage and the economic power that they have. and They, they will might have. be. Yeah, it yeah. will have for as long as they're paying your rent. So I say great, okay. move in with your girlfriend and mm-hmm. split the rent. Move someplace that you both can afford and don't mm-hmm. be economically dependent upon your parents anymore. If you because that will prevent you from going to your parents and saying, I insist that you get over this right fucking now. Here's a, the number of P flag. Go. This isn't going to change. Blah, blah, blah. Swallow mm-hmm. it. And, or I'm not going to mm-hmm. see you. I'm not going to hang out with you. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. And you, that's the only leverage you have as an adult child. Yeah. Uh, queer over your parents is to say, I will have nothing to do with you. But you can't say that. You can't use the leverage that you have as long as they're paying your fucking rent.
6: Yeah. The only thing that concerns me about that is that I don't
3: really mean it. Like I,
6: I, I, I would, I, I don't think I could ever say that to my parents and actually really mean it. Like well, you, you I, I don't, I have no interest in severing my relationship with them, but I, I want to figure out how to change it. You know, I don't want to threaten them.
3: Well, it, on, believe me when I say, and I've given this advice to a million queers,
2: <laughs>
3: that it is the only thing that works. You yeah. Have to accept me and accept this, and I will give you a year. How long has it been since you came out to them? A year. A year next month. Okay, uh, you have a year to throw your tantrums, and just like you threw tantrums when you were a child, and -hmm. your parents knew that if if the tantrums worked, they would continue. Right now, your Mm -hmm. parents' tantrum works, and it is going to continue, because you aren't parenting them the way you need to when you come out to them, which is you have a year to freak the fuck out, say hurtful things, ask stupid questions, and you get a pass on all of it. But after a year, you have to be okay with this, or I'm not going to come home for Christmas, I'm not going to see you. And I'm sorry, but that is the only leverage you have. If you're not willing to use that leverage, this is going to continue.
6: Is there a way, do you think that there's a way that I can... uh a really hard time communicating with my dad especially. Like I just I have a really hard time communicating with him. Like when we sit and we just shoot the shit and we talk when we talk about my work, my career, everything's dandy. But when I try and really talk about this subject I I lose I'm not articulate at all. I lose my calm very quickly and like I'll cry and I'll bitch and moan and I can't actually just be calm and logical so, like what you just said. don't so talk about
3: it, it don't talk about it in person. Put it in writing. Have an email come Okay. Out. Say, I get too emotional when we're together because I love you too much and it hurts too much. I want to talk about this with you via email for a while. But we ought to okay,
6: think. yeah. I think that, that sounds
3: good. Okay, so you're gonna, yeah. You're going to be inhibited and hesitant to pull the trigger for as long as they're paying your rent. It's great that they support you. It's great that they support your career. But mm-hmm. you need to go to them and say, I don't want this support if it comes at this price. You're right,
2: yeah. You yeah that's really to, good
3: advice. Integrity, if I have to... Uh, Listen as you guys subtly denigrate my relationship. Not worth it.
6: Right, right. Okay, I think I think you're right. I think that's a really, I think that's a good advice. Okay. I appreciate the
1: follow-up call. You're welcome. Good luck. Hey, Dan. I'm a married straight male living in North Alabama, and I've got a rather odd situation I'd like your input on. Uh, about three years ago, the wife and I started discussing the idea of swinging. And just a little background on the two of us: uh, we've been together seven years and married four. And she's very conservative. Uh hadn't had much as far as partners or non-traditional missionary-type sex. And myself, I'm quite the inverse. Had uh, lots of partners, lots of experience, and um, back during my think days. Used to have, uh, threesomes with married couples. I was, uh, the guy that they'd invite in. Uh, so anyway, uh, the swinging talks progressed very slowly with several false starts of, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, we're not. And it seems like the issues always came back to her, uh, very conservative southern religious mor- morality type beliefs and the fact that she was always the good girl growing up. And to date, we've only had one play session and, that went okay, uh, as far as uh, first times go. Pictures available upon request, of course. And uh, uh, we've attended a, a few sex clubs and uh, house and hotel parties, but uh, the wife never got out of her uh, very conservative comfort zone in and dove in. So it's just, it's just been, you know, a lot of frustrating starting and stopping and, you know, not a whole lot of uh progress. But anyway, uh the real meat of the problem is this. Back uh the end of May of this year I found out that she had been uh having an affair with a married dude uh that she knew and uh, that had been going on for off and on for two years. And um she was very much in horror mode with this guy. I've got lots of emails that I found and stuff like that where, you know, she talked about very specific details. So, uh, now that I've busted her on the, uh, affair thing, the swinging is 100% off the table and she said she needs to get her whole life back in order and don't need to think about things like that. And myself, I can't be, uh, help be a little bit bitter about the whole thing, uh, where she couldn't let like, go and have some fun with me. Uh, she spent countless hours and a lot of energy and everything doing that with this other dude, so. It's not the sex that I have a problem with on the, on the affair thing. It's the lying. So here's the $10,000 question. Now that it's swinging is off the menu and considering her uh, extracurricular activities the last couple of years, am I justified for looking for some fun on the side? What do you think?
3: Yeah, you can certainly go fuck somebody else. I think you should tell the wife, though. Obviously, we have a sort of quasi-semi-open relationship, and if you can fuck other people... So can I, and fair is fair. You need to ask yourself, though, and we all need to think about, we need to acknowledge, uh, it wasn't just as simple as why didn't she channel this sexual energy or desire for others or for variety into the swing clubs or the the scene that you were attracted to and trying to get her involved in. You need to ask yourself, we all do, well, what does a fair sex have that swinging sex does not? Well, an affair has an emotional connection, it has romance often and there is int- real intimacy. A lot of uh, women are left cold by sex that doesn't involve some sort of intimacy, emotional connection, romance. Swinging sex, uh, by comparison, can seem from the outside and can be sometimes, uh, perhaps in the majority of cases on the inside, kind of – mechanical and distant and part of why it works for a lot of married couples is because there is no romance, no intimacy, no real emotional connection is possible in that sort of uh, arena, which makes it feel safe for a couple where there's a desire for variety uh, without absent the threat of any sort of emotional or romantic connection blossoming. So clearly your wife is telling you through her actions uh, that swinging and that kind of sex without an intimate romantic connection or bond doesn't appeal to her even that appeals to you and the mechanics of it appeals to you so you guys need to renegotiate your deal from from the ground up which is clearly uh, if you stay together there should be an allowance for some degree of openness and i think you guys should really look at Polly amory which is you know you would be each other's primary partners and if you did have a good sexual bond once upon a time work on rebuilding that Uh, Without the expectation that that bond only exists in the presence of strict sexual exclusivity and that you both have permission not just to have sex with other people but to really kind of have romances with other people, that your wife can have a boyfriend and that you can have a girlfriend and there can be an intimate connection uh, because that's the kind of sex that works for your wife if she's going to have sex with anybody and with others that may, need, may, it may not be the kind of sex that you want to have with others but you should be allowed to have that kind of connection uh, with others if you guys have a functioning healthy poly deal which you can negotiate on you know the rubble and the ruins of what you thought you knew about your marriage and what you thought you knew about your wife a lot of people in open relationships get there by you know falling through the trap door And, you know, an affair is exposed and assumptions uh, that both partners made about each other are exploded when the infidelity comes out. And then if those people realize that they love being together and they love each other more than they value sexual exclusivity and they're able to forgive the infidelity, they can arrive at an open or poly arrangement that makes them both happy. And you and your wife can get there. And I would encourage you to work on it.
0: Hi, Dan. Um, I was calling a question about a friend of mine. Um, I have a friend of mine home close to who is married um, and has been married since her early 20s. Um, I think they've been married for about 10 years now or nine years. Um, And she has recently come to the decision or, I guess, the conclusion that she thinks she would like to have a child. Um, The issue being is that her husband is, um, I don't really know how to phrase this, a very, like, organized, structured guy to the extent that um, sometime midweek he sends her an email that outlines like what their schedule is for that Saturday Um, and she feels pretty strongly that she thinks she would like to have a child um, and he or she's afraid to broach the subject with him because they sort of entered into this marriage under the assumption that you know she didn't want to have children and I mean, I've sort of told her that, you know, she was 22, I think, or 21, and it's been sort of ridiculous to be making proclamations in your early 20s about whether or not you want to ultimately have children. Bottom line, um, she's terrified to tell her husband that she feels that she would like to have children, um, and, you know, my issue, he's 10 years older than she is, so she's about to be 29, and he's about to be 39. Um, you know, and my issue is when she comes to me for advice, I just want to say, um, you know, if you want to have kids, you should be able to have kids, and if your husband doesn't want to have kids, then you should find someone who does want to have kids with you. Um, they're very Christian and very religious, so divorce is not something that, you know, she would even entertain. I'm having a hard time giving her advice that I think is helpful, while also not letting my sort of agnostic anti-christian self come through and say, well, if this isn't working, then you should find someone else.
3: Um, you know, I don't want to make this all about me, but when I hear very Christian, very religious, divorce just isn't an option because they're so fucking Christian and so fucking religious. My mind, my head explodes because all I've heard for the last 10 years during the whether gay people should be allowed to get married debate is that marriage, it's Christian, it's religious, and it's all about babies and bringing children up and mothers and fathers and the possibility and la la la. If they're so fucking very Christian and so fucking very religious that they can't contemplate divorce, if they're so fucking very religious and very Christian that she can't talk to her husband about whether she wants children or not that she can't she doesn't have the kind of relationship where she can discuss her feelings with this controlling freak out that she married they should be having fucking 40 children they should be she children should be strolling out of her uterus 10 years into this relationship she'd have to she should have to have a pan between her knees at all times to catch the babies that are just dropping out of her but we're not going to make this all about me look you need to tell your friend that children are not she needs to be in the kind of marriage and have the kind of relationship where she can discuss the things that she's feeling and things that she wants and hopes for with her fucking husband because if not with him then who and you need to back out you need to say i've heard you you need to go talk about this with him you need to renegotiate This thing about kids, this agreement that you made at 22, because you don't feel that way anymore, and it's going to make you miserable, and the longer you punt, the less likely you are to ever have children, so this is something you sincerely want. Why are you talking to me, you should say to her. I'm sitting here with a couple of ovaries. I can't help you. Go talk to your husband with the sack full of sperms that God put there so that he could put them in her so that she could make 40 fucking little Christians who could then grow up and get married one day if they're straight because marriage is about babies.
4: I just want to say that I think that James Cameron has done us all a great disservice with his new avatar movie because immediately following the movie, I realized how much of a huge fetish I now have for giant blue cat people. So unfair because I don't think in my lifetime I'll ever be able to actualize this.
3: Coming soon to a science fiction convention near you. Slightly pudgy white men and women painted blue um, with yellow contacts. Yeah, boo hoo hoo. Get in line behind the centaur fetishists and the fifty-foot-tall uh, women fetishists and the people who want to sleep with Shiva women with ten arms. Um, yeah, it sucks for you, doesn't it? And I feel the same way. You know, I've always been attracted to guys with. Tiny little waist and very broad shoulders and nice tits. And boy, did that James Sully have a tiny little waist, very broad shoulders and nice tits when he was 10 foot tall and blue and phosphorescent. I feel, I feel your pain. What was interesting, though, watching that movie besides the amazing asses on the knobby was, well, the lack of junk. You know, you'd think if you're a Marine and they put you in this alien body, the first thing you'd want to look at is your dick. But the first thing he looks at is his hair. What kind of marine goes first to the hair? Just saying. Um, What was interesting about the movie, kind of, I thought, was the sexual politics of it. You know, for a movie that's this big metaphor, this allegory about honoring and respecting nature and natural rhythms and uh, living in harmony with nature, it had a sort of peculiarly unnatural take on sexuality. If you recall, uh, James Sully mates with the lady girl 10 foot tall blue cat person whose name i can't remember and they are bonded for life and apparently this is you know she's a virgin right this is going to be she's going to be the new queen and she's already betrothed to this other dude who's going to lead the tribe when her father dies and then when you know this is a big confrontation and it comes out that she and sully have mated bonded it's nothing can be done they're sealed forever It feels very much like a sort of conservative Christian wet dream about the way the natural world should work but doesn't because in nature sex is messy and uh, natural sex is almost never strictly monogamous sex. All sorts of species. Now we know with DNA testing that we looked at and thought, oh, those cute little finches. They're so monogamous. We now know that little lady finch is getting it on with other boy finches when Mr. Finch is away and that uh, Mr. Finch isn't always aware that – blah, 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 whatever. Real sex, natural sex is like the natural world. It's disorderly. It's messy. It's improvisational. And yet the Navi who are so in tune with nature, ha, 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 have really creepily unnatural sex lives. Just saying. A couple of weeks ago, we did a show with Dr. Barack, our resident medical expert, whether he likes it or not, here on the Savage Lovecast. And uh, the subject of bacterial vaginosis came up and Barack had some emphatic comments. We got a lot of calls and uh, decided to give Brock a call back. And, uh, chat with him some more. So a few weeks ago, we did a show with, uh, our resident medical expert, Dr. Barak, and the subject of bacterial vaginosis came up because you really just can't keep me off bacterial vaginosis. I am all about bacterial vaginosis on this show, and uh, Barak was not so into alternative treatments. And we got a lot of calls from fans of alternative treatments, and now here's Dr. Barak who has something to add about alternative treatments. Hey, Dan. Yeah, just sort of
2: listening back to uh, to the show and uh, and thinking about it some more, I realized that the advice that I gave her was really a little off. Um, so So the caller said that she'd already tried two conventional treatments for bacterial vaginosis, but that she was still having thick vaginal fluid that wasn't lubricating enough, and she asked if there was any holistic things that she should try. And I told her that she should go back to her doctor, partly because I was worried that there could be something else going on. Um, but as many of the callers have been pointing out to you, I think there's one thing that she, that she could try at home that's safe and which might work, and that would be lactobacillus suppositories. Uh, so there's lots of anecdotal evidence. That
3: sounds romantic, and Valentine's Day is right around the corner. I know,
2: so so get it on your calendar.
3: I want a big box of lactobacillus <laughs> suppositories. One of those I've giant, on one of those giant
2: things from Costco. <laughs> and um, so yes, yeah, so, I mean there's lots of anecdotal evidence and a small amount of actual research even suggesting that it might work. And so I'd say that she should try lactobacillus, and if things still aren't right after that, then she should definitely go back and make sure that there's nothing else going on. Okay. Thanks a lot, Brock. Uh, All right. Take care, Dan. Bye.
3: Thank you, Dr. Brock. Before we wrap this show up, there's a news development here in Washington State where we make this show happen Um, that's really disturbing me personally and also traumatizing the tech-sevy at-risk youth. Reading now, decades ago, poor children became known as disadvantaged to soften the stigma of poverty. Then they were at risk. Now a Washington lawmaker wants to replace those euphemisms with a new one, at hope. Democratic State Senator Rosa Franklin says negative labels are hurting kids' chances for success. And she's not a bit concerned, that people will be confused by a proposal to rewrite of the 54 places in state law where the words like at-risk are disadvantaged. On behalf of the at-risk tech-savvy youth, the tech-savvy at-risk youth, we oppose this bill. Who says an at-risk youth cannot succeed? The Savage Lovecast, which was the genius idea of the tech-savvy at-risk youth, is like the 33rd most popular podcast in the world thanks to the wildly successful efforts of the tech savvy at risk youth i will not let you euphemize this away we are not going to call them at hope youth while they are locked in this tiny airless room with me they are at risk of god knows what state senator rosa franklin you've taken so much from me washington state i will not let you take You took marriage rights away from me. You took, I don't know, other stuff too, away from me. I'm not letting you take the at-risk youth away from me. Tech savvy at hope youth? What the fuck does that even mean? And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, give us a buzz. 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read and comment on the Savage Love Letter of the Day and me and the tech savvy at risk youth will be back at you you too Senator Rosa Franklin next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast thanks for downloading